Ken Forrester, Executive Director at Momenta. Welcome to our Digital Thread Podcast, produced by, for, and about digital industry leaders. In this series of conversations, we capture insights from the best and brightest minds in digital industry. They're executives, entrepreneurs, advisors, and other thought leaders. What they have in common is like our team at Momenta, they are deep industry operators. We hope you find these podcasts informative, and as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Good day and welcome to episode 173 of our Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. Today, we have a special episode bringing back Yap Group, the CEO of Ignion, to provide some perspective on the recent events in the low-power wide area space. As you may recall, Yap has a rich experience base in IoT communications, having worked at Qualcomm and Mixed Telematics before becoming Sigfox's first head of sales. He went on to play a leading role at Semtech as VP of Business Development for the LoRa team, as well as Vice Chair of the LoRa Alliance. In mid-2020, Yap joined Fractus Antenna and helped relaunch the branding of the company as Ignion, the leader in virtual antennas. Yap, welcome back to our podcast. Good morning, Ken. It's wonderful to be back and thank you for the opportunity. It seems there are indeed a few things happening in the IoT LP1 industry, which I look forward to discuss with you. As well, you and I have both uh, been privy to some of the events recently. I think we last featured you on our podcast in episode 107, so right about September of 2020. Really, a lot has happened since that time in the space of LPWAN and at Ignion. And so I thought it'd be really great to bring you back again to talk about both. Let's start with the LPWAN space and specifically the recent news that Sigfox has filed for Chapter 11 and is now going through an accelerated auction of the company's assets. Let me ask, did this surprise you, Yap? Well, who am I to comment? I left Sigfox in 2015, and it seems, in hindsight, my instincts were right. At that point in time, the technology was unproven, and the real IoT wave was in a very early stage. As uh, Thomas Nichols mentioned in one of your other podcasts earlier this year, the main issue was that the space had to be created first. And that has taken longer as the cash runway of Sigfox allowed. To me, the long tail aspect was clear from the get-go. And under such market conditions, it's simply better to focus and prove yourself versus the claims I continue to hear that Sigfox is a company that should be considered a hyperscaler and would be adding an S to GAFA, like the Google, Amazon, Facebook, and Apple abbreviation. So no, this is not a surprise to me. It was a matter of time, and it seems there are only three weeks now for potential buyers or investors to act. Now, Sigfox had raised over $300 million in venture funding and, as you say, had ambitions to build a global communications network. In their statement, they cited really slow sales of their products and challenging conditions in the IoT industry due to COVID-19. As often reported, we've seen quite the opposite in our case with the IoT killer use case of remote asset management really being in great demand, at least among our portfolio of 48 companies. Have you seen their so-called challenging conditions in IoT? Indeed. The explanations of why Sigfox ended up running out of cash seem not in line with what we see in the IoT market overall. For sure, there is COVID-19 and some companies have delays in revenues due to supply chain issues. Because if the end, in the end, if the components are not available, uh, the IoT sensors cannot be built. And certainly that has uh, created challenges. However, not all use cases are impacted. And for example, smart building solutions are hot just to measure air quality in order to make sure we limit the risk of the virus spreading too easily. 
And yes, tracking and location remain the top use case. And one would expect companies like Sigfox to be able to benefit from that, given their self-claimed global coverage. If I look at our own business, we have also felt the impact of cellular modules with long lead times. But despite this, the IoT market and Ignion grew well in 2021, while Sigfox booked losses of 90 million. So in short, the problem is elsewhere, and time will tell what really caused this Chapter 11 situation. You know, I think you were at Sigfox back in 2013, as you recalled, leading the sales efforts section when we first met. Knowing what you do now, if you could go back to that moment and change three things to have given Sigfox a better chance, what would they have been? Well, that's an easy one. As I mentioned in the earlier podcast already, there have been very successful use cases with Sigfox, and those customers still use the solution with a good ROI for them. However, the business model implemented was developed by a guy coming from Orange, hence the strategic mistake to sell exclusive Sigfox licenses to companies. Force them then to enable coverage and buy gateways from Sigfox and as a triple whammy, take a major share of their revenue as kickback. It would have been much more attractive to let market dynamics define where to roll out and reduce the capex of these operators so they could spend their cash on developing use cases rather than the build the network and the customers will come approach. Second, I believe the focus was global from the get-go. And whilst that is an interesting approach, every marketeer can tell you it's best to first to try and hit one pin in the bowling alley in your home country before becoming too self-confident and claim the world is your playground. And then last but not least, there has always been tension in the leadership of Fix Sigfox. Thomas already mentioned he felt that he had lost 20 years of his life in spending five years at the company. And frankly, <laughs> I concur with him. In my two years, it became clear that the strategy was flawed and a toxic management style unacceptable, which in the end, and probably too late, led to the decision to appoint a new CEO last year. Mm. You know, Silicon Valley tends to treat failure with a small f different than perhaps the rest of the world. And in this case, many times the learnings you get out of those situations can be invaluable if you apply them into your own leadership efforts in future situations. But I completely commiserate where you and Tomas feel about the situation. Of course, Sigbox was heralded as an example of French and, and even European tech. Do you see any learnings for France or Europe given the situation? Yeah, I believe for sure we need to bolster European tech. Dependencies have proven to create risks. So the more resilient we can make European companies by having the control on our own continent, the better. And the same applies to France. Building a French tech environment and startup hubs makes total sense. The real question is how far governments should get involved. The learning here clearly is that one cannot push a market to accept the technology. The route taken by others to build open ecosystems and democratize the access to a technology has proven to be more successful. And frankly, is this not what we see happening in 5G right now for industrial IoT? Uh, local private networks such that there are less dependencies or even keep the data out of the internet. Let's go on to the separate topic, and that really is Ignion and the traction you guys have seen during that time since our last meeting. How have things gone with your virtual antenna and value proposition and really what's been some of the key milestones since then? Indeed, my current venture is not depending on any specific wireless technology. As I explained, we focus on horizontal solutions like machine learning and AI also do, or energy harvesting, if you will, which apply to all IoT edge devices. And antennas are not different. We do not have to create demand here. Every device has one or more antennas. 
And I can only state that 2021 has been a good year for Ignayan. We have grown the business substantially despite the pandemic and uh, supply chain issues. And we are seeing a continued growth into 2022. I think you've also made some great traction with your cloud-based design capabilities. Can you say a bit more about that? Yeah, you seem to me know a little bit more than the rest of the market. But uh, <laughs> in principle, the issue for many designers or makers is the capability to ensure optimal antenna performance. And not only is this a difficult domain with uh, many dependencies, because RF know-how is a limited resource in the eye industry, but moreover, IoT is a long-tail market. So many designs are not in very high quantities. And thus, the market asks for off-the-shelf, easy-to-integrate antennas like Lego blocks. In order to enable that, Ignayan has put our know-how and tools into a cloud together with AWS, and we will launch this during the Mobile World Congress. And the value for makers being that they can test their designs for RF viability and performance, even before they spend any money on prototypes. And the initial feedback of our trial customers is great. Getting detailed design recommendations and reliable performance simulations avoid long design cycles, and in the end, improve the ROI overall. Seems like a large step ahead for what you guys are doing, and it makes a lot of sense given the long lead times. At this point, I believe you shipped over 30 million antennas. Given this vantage point, you could be viewed as a bit of a forward-looking indicator for LPWAN or other protocol adoption. What trends are you seeing relative to this data? What we see currently is a clear uptake of cellular designs. Majority of the designs are based on NB-IoT and LTEM in all its different shapes and forms around the world. And then we have substantial traction in LoRa, GNSS, BLE, Wi-Fi, and recently ultra-wideband, as many of the IoT devices have multiple radios. For example, in a tracker with a comms radio, there's also GPS for location and BLE for provisioning. So I'd say the future is around multi-radio, which further drives the demand for solid antenna solutions, as the complexity of such designs is really high. Whereas the straightforward high-volume consumer products with Wi-Fi and BLE allow for custom design. And the IoT market needs an off-the-shelf part and tools to implement the antenna in a do-it-yourself kind of approach. The unlicensed band solutions like LoRa have taken off already. However, compared to Cellular, I'd estimate an 80-20 split right now. Wow, that's dramatic. An 80-20 split. So 80% in favor of licensed spectrum designs versus unlicensed spectrum ones. To what do you attribute this strong bias? Um, well, if we rule out Wi-Fi and BLE for a minute, as these are more in mobile phone and consumer solutions and less adapted to the low power and long range required for IoT, the unlicensed space truly got shaken recently by the announcements around Sigfox. And as for LoRa, the reality is that the nationwide web networks are limited and the uptake is with new initiatives like Helium or Amazon Sidewalk. The challenge will remain on coverage. And as I mentioned in the previous podcast, the future of LP1 is that there is no future. So LoRa gateways, for example, like the ones from Helium or CareLink are no longer LP1. They are microcells, which do have much better range than Wi-Fi and allow for battery operated sensors but they only go for a couple of hundred meters. Obviously, the cellular response exists with offerings from companies like uh, Once in Germany who have $10 subscriptions for 10 years. However, in that setup, the radio access network is still operated by a third party. And many people these days want to take the risk of sunsetting out of the equation and take on the burden of rolling out their own network. 
So putting your prognosticator hat on, where would you predict this trend going, especially considering the sale of Sigvox? Yeah, that's a difficult one. We just learned there are only three weeks up till the 25th of February to put in a bit now. So the question being if it's affordable to invest in this chapter 11 stage or simply wait and buy assets later. In my opinion, the most likely route forward is for a consortium to step in, potentially including the existing so-called zero-G operators. However, it might be more interesting to wait and not have to deal with all the restructuring costs and get out of the exclusivity model with the operators and truly democratize the access to the Sigfox technology through opening up the network, the NOC, so-called NOC, and let every operator run and control their own future. As for the technology, it's clear that the overlap with LoRa, and especially with this new LRFHSS variant, leaves little value to be on Sigfox. And most likely, it will fade out over time like WiMAX. It's interesting that you raised earlier one of the largest issues with the adoption of unlicensed spectrum. Uh, LP WAN was lack of coverage per se. And you're right, Helium and a couple other companies are certainly slowly moving that forward. But it does seem that Sigfox has an asset that the lower WAN community could use very well in the sense that you have these, as you say, zero G operators already in place. And Laura potentially could provide at least an equal or better technology base as well. So in some sense, Going forward, it actually might mean that finally the unlicensed spectrum probably is on a near even keel with the licensed spectrum, although, you know, you've got the large telcos backing the latter, you know, for the most part. So, mm. um, yeah, so it could be an interesting next couple of years in terms of how all of this plays out. And certainly at a time when the IoT and industrial IoT market are seeing real upticks in terms of remote access or remote asset management, if you will, use cases. In closing, any hint about what we can expect from Ignion over the next year? Clearly, further growth by enabling the next 10 million IoT devices with uh, virtual antenna technology. And more importantly, to enable access to our solutions through the Antenna Intelligence Cloud. Make sure all the makers in the long tail get what they're looking for. Long range, low power or no power through energy harvesting and antenna solutions that uh, tune to the required frequencies like your phone does. But uh, keep watching this space. It's moving. Yeah, and Ignion gives you a great platform from which to uh, observe and perhaps even predict some of the trends that we're seeing. So I uh, hope to stay close with you on this one particularly. So, yep, thank you for this insightful interview. You're welcome, Ken. Thank you very much for asking me again. And let's put a date in the agenda in 18 months to see. <laughs> Absolutely, my friend. So this has been Yap Group, CEO of Ignion, the company that is pioneering the virtual antenna. Thank you for listening. And please join us next week for the next episode of our Digital Thread podcast series. Thank you and have a great day. You've been listening to the Momenta Digital Thread podcast series. We hope you've enjoyed the discussion. And as always, we welcome your comments and suggestions. Please check our website at momenta.one for archived versions of podcasts, as well as resources to help with your digital industry journey. Thank you for listening.